This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all of your blessings. I pray, God, that you will speak to us today. And Lord, don't let my inabilities uh, somehow hinder this message. Give us clarity and speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Psalms chapter 34, I'm going to bring you a message today entitled, From Fallen to Fearless. Let me, let me just decide if this message for any, is for anyone in this room. Is there anyone here or listening or, or watching that... Um, you end up sometimes in a place you know you should not be, doing things you should not be doing, and then you don't know how to get back. Is there anybody at all? Anybody honest enough to tell me that? Come on. All right. We all end up places we should not be, doing what we should not be doing, and we don't know how to get back. Psalms 34, beginning in verse number one, we're going to read about the first 10 verses. It says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord. Watch this. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. Anybody glad that we have a God that answers prayers? He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. Come on. Radiant with joy. Try that one on somebody next time you see, see your spouse. Look at them and say, you are radiant with joy. Radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Woo, hallelujah. Taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. I want you to notice that. Even the strong sometimes end up somewhere they don't need to be. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Let me just make this statement. We all make mistakes. Some of you may be mistaken and feel like you don't make mistakes. Somebody said to me one time, they said, yeah, I've made a mistake once in 1973. Come on now, amen. But we all make mistakes. But life is not so much about the mistakes we make, but rather what we do after the mistakes. How many of you are thankful today that failure is not final? I am truly thankful. You see, real failure is not stumbling. Real failure is when we forget that we can get up. Real failure is when we stop trying to move forward, when we end up somewhere we have no business being, but then we, we, we just decide, I can't get out of that place. So I guess my, my message today is, how do you come back from a setback? 
How do you move forward when you've fallen? How, when you live in the fear that you're going to mess up again? I, I was talking with uh, uh, Christina about a decision that I'm having to make, and I, I said that I fear the outcome because I made a mistake, and now I'm afraid to make the same mistake again because the mistake was painful. And I, I have become fearful about how to move forward in those things. You see, it's, it, it amazes me how easily we can make a mistake. I mean, it, it's easy to mess up. I got, I've got a few of you over here. Come on. It's easy to end up in a bad place. It's easy to slip up. I mean, think about it. We'll call somebody before we buy a car and say, hey, I'm thinking about buying this kind of car. And they'll say, well, you won't buy that because of this, this, and this. And you go, oh, thanks for the advice. We'll call somebody before we buy a home because people are like, you know, they're about to bring the airport over in that area. Literally, Christine and I were looking at a home one time and, and someone told us, uh, do you really want jets shaking the house? And I said, oh, well, then praise God, we didn't buy that house. Come on. But but they gave us good advice. We'll, we'll even talk to someone. What do you think about this person I'm thinking about asking to marry me? And we'll get all the people in our life to speak into our lives and, and we get a lot of good advice, but we never seem to do that when it comes to sin. Have you had that phone call lately? You called somebody up and say, I'm about to ruin my life. What do you think? <laughs> it's really, really easy to make a bad mistake. One of the reasons is because we're, we're not listening to sound judgment. We're not listening to the right things in our lives. And so we end up in the wrong place, making the wrong decisions, doing the wrong things. And we end up being in places that we know better than being. So how do you get back to a good place once you've ended up in a bad place? I mean, we all, we all, our nation needs to know those things. We, we all need to know what do we need to do to go from fallen to fearless. Listen to Psalms 34, 5, and 6 for just a moment. It says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. They're not going to have to live with constant guilt because if everybody in the church knew where they really were living... They wouldn't want to worship with them. Oh, maybe I just need to hurry on. Okay. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened, and he saved me from all of my troubles. So what does this have for us? I think in order to find out what this has for us, we have to really understand why David penned Psalms 34. To understand why David wrote Psalms 34, you have to go back up to the passage. And, and this is what it says in most of your Bibles. If you'll look right below the, the title that says Psalms 34, and you know the chapter that you're in, you'll see a definition of why he wrote Psalms 34. And here's what he said. It said, a Psalm of David regarding the time that he pretended to be insane in front of Abimelech, who sent him away. So David's giving you the parameters of why he wrote what he wrote. He's telling you, this is where I was. Now, in order to understand where he was in front of Abimelech when he acted insane, we have to go back kind of to the beginning of David's story. David is a young man that's called in before the town. He's anointed to be king, and David goes from being anointed to be king to serving the current king, Saul, and, and, and then he gets sent back home. And then after he gets sent back home, his dad calls him one day and says, your brothers have been fighting. You need to leave the sheep alone for a little while, and you need to take some bread and some cheese, and you need to take it to your brothers because we need to make sure they're not starving to death out there. So his brothers are all seen coming. He gets down as he's coming into the valley. Here's this great big man, this giant of a man named Goliath. And Goliath is, is bellowing out these curses against the people of God. And, and a lot of people preach this story that David heard what was said against God and he just couldn't take it anymore. But that's not really the story. Here's the story. David gets down into the valley. And he's like, what's up with that guy? And people are talking about it. And one of them says, but you know what happens to the one guy who fights them? He says, what happens? He says, listen to this. And we're talking to a teenage boy. 
or young man. He's probably just about to to really be in his manhood. And and, And this is what he says. He says, the guy who kills that giant gets to marry the hot princess. David said, what'd you say? He said, it's better than that. He said, what? He said, it's better than that. Not only do you marry the hot, good-looking daughter of the king, you get to pay no taxes, and your daddy doesn't have to pay taxes the rest of your life. David says, hmm, my daddy's happy with me. I got a good-looking wife. Is there anything else? And yeah, you basically are set up in your career for the rest of your life. Matter of fact, that's what David said. He said, really? And then he looks to another guy. He said, tell me one more time. What happens? He said, you get a hot wife. No taxes, and your career is set. So David says, you know what? You only live once. Some things are worth dying trying. And so he steps up to the plate, and there's a guy on the other end of the battlefield with a loud mouth and a large sword, and he says to him, do you think I'm a dog that you come to me with a stick? I'm going to rip you to shreds. And so what does David do? Goliath starts running at him, and David just reaches in his pouch, pulls out a stone, and starts, boom, knocks Goliath right between the eyes. You know this story. What happens to Goliath at that moment? He's not dead. He's just stunned. See, that's the problem. Half of us get our enemy just stunned. We really never get it out of our lives. Then David runs up and grabs the sword and says, this ends here. And that's where some of you need to get to. This ends here. And he cuts off his head. And after he cuts off his head, David becomes the champion of Israel. As a matter of fact, they even start singing songs about him that cause him a problem. Here's the song. David is walking along and he hears this song. The minute he hears it, it's like a bad note to him because they say this, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. Come on, give me an amen. Amen. Right? And David says, what did you say? They said, you have killed more than Saul. And he said, that's going to get me killed. And sure enough, Saul became jealous and began to hate him. Saul started to chase him. And so David becomes overwhelmed with fear, and he doesn't know what to do. So David says, where can I go that no one will follow me? And here's where David says he decided to go. I will go to Gath. Say that with me. I will go to Gath. Now, why would David go to Gath? Why would no one want to follow him to Gath? Well, you've got to understand what Gath was. Gath was the home of someone that David was intimately associated with. Gath was the home of Goliath. Goliath was the champion of Gath, and David was not welcome in Gath. Think about it. The guy who ruined your stronghold over even your nation now comes to show up in your town? Everybody in Gath wants David dead. So why would David go to a place that he had already conquered in a time of crisis? Why would David turn around and go back to Gath? And I feel the Holy Spirit as I'm speaking to you today. Why would David go back to Gath? But before we give David such a hard time about going back to Gath, let's ask ourselves this question. Why do we do the same thing? Why when we get hit with a problem? Why when it seems like God has somehow let us down? Why when there's a struggle in our lives, do we end up finding our way back to somewhere that God's already delivered us from? It's called a dramatic pause. Just letting that sink in for a moment. Because we all do that. We all find ourselves going back to a place we don't know what to do, but other than the sin that once comforted us. Is this just for this service or was it for the earlier services? 
We all find ourselves going somewhere we have no business being because we let down our guard, and when we get there, we're really in trouble because we know how to sin there because we used to live there. We know where they hide the junk. We know the code words. We know all the things that we're supposed to know to sin there, and we know better than going there, but we end up finding ourselves back somewhere. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. Maybe I ought to just put up a mirror, but I lived there too many times. And David finds himself in the wrong place, doing the wrong things, and and he shouldn't be there. Now, we have the hope of grace. The hope of grace tells me that even though I may have a whole lot of places in my life that I should not go, that Jesus accepts me just the way that I am. Can I get an amen for that? But here's what I want you to get. Jesus may accept you the way that you are, but he does not accept you staying the way you are. Jesus loves you just the way you are. Jesus doesn't do this to you that when he comes, oh, come unto me and I'll give you, oh, no, I didn't see that in your life. You need to get that taken care of first. Jesus doesn't do that. But when you come to Jesus, Jesus throws his arms around you and loves you. And then he says, you know, that's weakness you've got. I'm going to help you with it. That struggle you've got, I'm going to take it away from you. I'm going to clean you up, and I'm going to make you whole, and I'm going to make you better. Most of us just want to come to Jesus so we know where Jesus is, but we really don't want Jesus to change us. Maybe I'll get in the safety of my notes here. You see, being a Christ follower means that we're going to get victory over our struggles. Being a Christ follower means that God's going to deal with our issues Let me just ask you, how many of you have issues today? Would you raise your hand if you have issues? Those of you whose hands are not in the air, let me just tell you what your issue is. (laughs) Just kidding. Somebody's like, oh, he's going to start reading my mouth. No, we all look at your neighbor and say, you're a mess. Would you do that? But here's the beauty. God always gives a mess a second chance. God's good. I'm going to say it again. God's faithful. God loves us even when we have problems, even when we still know how to go to Gath. Listen to how David acted when he got to the place he knew he should not have gone. 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse number 13 says this. So he pretended to be insane in their presence, and while he was in their hands, watch this, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. I really was looking to see if I had anybody that could help me with an illustration uh, of that. I'm looking around. Last service, I had a beard down to here. In the first service, I mean, just I've had all these long. I'm not really seeing any today that could help. Joe, you could probably help me with that a little bit. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. <laughs> but could you imagine for just a moment, David, the warrior of Israel, The champion of the field of Goliath is now in a town he has no business being in, and what he finds himself doing there is acting in a way that he has no business acting that way. David's acting like somebody who's not. The champion has become a chump. The warrior has become a wimp. The winner has become a loser. All because he wants to go somewhere he has no business being. And when he gets there, he has to act in a way that he's not. Now, let me just tell you what hope that gives me. You see, we used to go to the Gath, and we used to hang out there, and we used to enjoy it there. But once we found Christ, we are no longer that same person. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And in order to go back, we're going to have to start acting like somebody we're not really anymore. Am I preaching truth? 
And God's called us to live better than that. God's called us to stop going back to Gath. He's called us into the presence of the living God. And why would we exchange free access to the throne of grace to go back somewhere where we can't act like who we're really supposed to act like? But here's the problem. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But can I say this just as countries that just came to me? I is it. All right. I go to the wrong places in my life. I do things I know better than doing. I mean, is, am I the only one here? Or that, am I making sense to anybody? I make mistakes that I don't want to do. Paul said it this way, this way. What I would do, I don't do. But what I wouldn't do, I end up doing. I end up in the wrong place, doing the wrong things, even though I know God delivered me. And here's what happened. When I get there, I'm crushed. Because I know better than doing this. I know better than coming back. I know better than living here. I know better than, than having to go through this valley again because, God, I went to an altar and you delivered me. You set me free. You forgave me. And the last time I told you was the last time, but here I am back in gas. If you say, man, I know we're on the right path. Amen. I'm in the wrong place again. What do I do? David tells us in Psalms 34, David tells us what we need to do, what we need is a little light on the issue. This morning, when I woke up, was getting ready and trying to come to church, you have to understand, this big old man tries to walk as quiet as I can because I don't want to wake that little bitty woman up when I come in here early. Our team is here usually as, as early as six, sometime before. We're in here getting ready for you to come. For the 815 service to launch, we're getting everything ready. And so I'm walking around because I, I, I might be big and bad, but she's bigger and better. <laughs> and I'm walking around and I can't find my car keys. And it's dark. And I decided to cut through a little extra way. We have, we have two ways out of our bedroom. I try to cut through and try to go into the other area. And, and I'm walking through and I end up in there and then I turn around and it's pitch black. And I didn't have my cell phone. I thought if I just had a light, I could. And then I'm bumping into everything. You know how it is. You bump and listen to see if she's still breathing. Lord, don't let me wake her up. David, in Psalms 34, says, I found myself in the wrong place in the wrong way, and I had no light. And then he tells us in verse 1, what must be done to get out of the dark place when you've gone to the place. See, the problem is this. You can act like this is not for you, but I think it's for everybody because I think we all go things and do things we shouldn't do. We Things we thought God had finally delivered us from, we end up struggling with again. Not all the junk because there are things we've beaten, but just junk that we thought couldn't have a hold on our lives. And so we find ourselves in the wrong place, dealing with the wrong things, and then we are so convicted and we're so down, we don't know what to do. David gives us the steps out. Are you ready for this? Here's verse number one of Psalms 34. Here's what he says. I will praise the Lord at all times. Wait a minute, Pastor. I'm not in any condition to praise. No, that's what you don't get. Praise is what changes your condition. You see, when you're thinking about all that's wrong with you, you go lower and lower. But when you start thinking about all that's right with him, you step higher and higher until the light shines in the darkness and you walk out of that place you have no business being. David says, I will praise God. Why? Not because I've fallen, but because he never fell and he never lets me down. And he's my constant help in my hour of trouble. And as he begins to elevate himself, suddenly he finds a place to stand on quicksand. And suddenly he's walking out in victory in Jesus' name. 
Because we see that in verse number two, because he says, I will only boast in the Lord. In other words, before I thought I could talk my way out of this, before I thought I could buy my way out of this, before I thought I could clean it up so nobody would ever know what I'd been in the middle of. And then I realized there's no hope without Jesus. I will not boast in anybody else, but I will boast in the Lord who knows my junk and still loves me and still forgives me and is still a good God. And I'm telling you today, I will bless the Lord at all times. Let us exalt his name together. Amen. Amen. And that's what he says. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together because, listen to this, I prayed. Come on, say that with me. I prayed. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. When he didn't have to, when he shouldn't have, when I was back where I have been a thousand times and he's delivered me from a thousand and one times. Now, come on. He still answered me. Verse number five tells us what? That their faces will become radiant with joy. And they will not be covered with shame. They will not walk in defeat, but they will walk in victory. But the key to that is in verses 4 and 18. I prayed. One verse says, I humbled myself, or I sought the Lord. Verse number 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Listen to this. Here's what God's saying. You can't get out of Gath until you get in the right position. And praise is what's going to elevate your position. He says, you can't stop that sin. You've been trying to stop it. That's your problem. You've been trying to stop the sin. God says, don't don't focus on the sin. Focus on God. And as you start focusing on God, the sin that so easily used to beset you begins to fall aside and you run toward the mark that's laid ahead of you. Am I making sense to anybody? I'm telling you, I've absolutely spent up here. I'm so glad you're not saying amen more because we might just have church in this place this morning. I feel this. David said, because I humbled myself to the place, I stopped trying to fix it and I sought the Lord. Verse 18 tells me the Lord's close to the brokenhearted. What that tells me is when I finally lay down all the guards and I stop trying to fix it myself, I reach a place that God can move for me. And then verse 19, I find difficult sometimes. Verse 19 says this, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. That's a good verse, right? Many of us can shout over it. But a lot of us feel like that disqualifies us because we see the hope that that they're going to be delivered from all their troubles. But we don't meet the first line, the righteous person. You see, we know we're where we are because we know what's in us. The righteous person, we feel like it disqualifies us because of our sin. Brandon, would you help me for just a second today? You see, as long as you're running from the presence of God and trying to fix Gath, this can't happen. But here's what, if you would just kneel right there. When you reach the place that you seek the Lord, here's what Isaiah 61.10 says. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices and my God has clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of His righteousness. Watch this. I know you're perfect, son. And I know you probably know what your gaff is. Because I know what my gaff is. I know where I shouldn't go and what I shouldn't do. 
And yet I find my way too many times where I shouldn't be. But what happens when you get there? Knowing your heart, you're probably like me. Look at me for just a moment. You're probably like me. You probably repent. And then you think, oh, that was too easy. So you repent a little more. And then before long, you're constantly repenting for it. Because it's not fair that I did that and God let me off too easy. See, what you're still trying to do is pay the price yourself. But David said, when I finally sought the Lord, I humbled myself. The Bible says that, the, that those that are bruised, God will not allow to be broken. But, but when we come to the place that we break ourselves, and say, God, there's no hope for me other than you. This is what Scripture says that he does. Are you ready? He walks up and he takes the robe of righteousness of Christ and he covers us with it. And all of the sin and all of the shame that's glaring in my life, it's covered. It's covered. But Pastor Don, you don't understand. I like Gath. I don't know how to stop going to Gath. David tells you, stop looking at the allure of Gath. Stop dealing with the shame that covers your faith. Stop dealing with all of that and lift up your eyes unto the hills from which cometh your help. Begin to get your eyes on God. And as you begin to get your eyes on God, you say, God, I blew it again. And God, all I know to do is ask for your grace. He walks up to you and covers you with his righteousness. And then all of a sudden you find a new place. From your bended knees, you find a place to stand. And righteousness begins to cover you. Amen. Thank you, buddy. Give him a hand this morning. Amen. You see, Psalms 34 takes that bitterness of defeat and turns it around. Because Psalms 34 and 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, sin tastes bitter, but grace is sweet. Let me just ask you a very simple question. Now, that's not a trick question. It's a simple question. Are you ready for this? Which is bigger in your car? The windshield or the rear view mirror? Some of you are going, I think I know the answer. <laughs> Which is bigger, the windshield or the rear view mirror? Let me hear. Obviously, the windshield. It's not a hard... Let me go, okay, good. I, I was right. <laughs> the windshield is bigger. Why? Because unless you can... Focus on where you're going, you will never get there. And if you try to go forward only looking at what's behind you, you'll never get there. You will always fail. You will always struggle. The fact is, we've all been to Gath. We've all done things we shouldn't have done. Pastor Don, you make yourself sound like a horrible person. I've grown in Christ, but I still struggle. I still have weaknesses. And he's faithful even when I'm not. And when I'm falling, all I have to do is look on him and I can step into fearless. God, I'm not going to let the fear that I'm going to fall again hold me back. For when I do stumble, you will help me up. And Lord, I want to stop going to Gath. I want to start going forward. Stand with me if you would this morning. Beautiful saying. Glorious Lord. Quick review of verse number five and six. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are not covered with shame. 
And I love how David makes this personal. I make it personal now. This poor man called out and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. What a wonderful description. This guy who made a lot of mistakes called on the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me. If you would just bow your heads with me all in this place. Nobody looking around. I'm going to read to you the last verse. Psalms 34 and verse number 22. I want to read that for you today. It says this. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one. Some of you need to whisper that with me. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Even if you've gone, that's what David says. I went to the wrong place and I did the wrong thing, but God delivered me and now I'm free. I'm not going to belabor this, but I'm going to ask you today, if you're here and you know that something from yesterday has been trying to pull you back and you want to confess that to God so you can find freedom, can I see your hand if that's you? Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Don't be ashamed. Almost the majority of hands in this room. Put those down. Put those down. Let me ask you now. Some of you can say, some of you just said, Pastor, I've been trying to, I've been tempted to go back to Gath, but some of you are there. Some of you have some hidden things in your life. And everybody's praying, nobody's looking around right now, but there's some hidden things in your life. And you want to confess those. You're ready to come out of that hidden sin and to be free. If that's you, can I see your hand? Hold it up high. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you. Thank you. Put those down. Now, let me just say it this way. And I feel God. Some of you, this makes sense to you, but you know the truth is you've never really began to serve God. You've never abandoned the things that, that we're talking about going back to. You've never left them. You've been living in sin, living in failure. You're a good person, but... You're not living where you're supposed to be. And today you want to make it the day you find Jesus Christ. Today's the day that you accept Jesus as your Lord and you leave that all behind. Now, I didn't embarrass anybody that's raised their hand and I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray with everybody right where they are. But I need to know if this is the day you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Can I see your hand if that's you? Thank you. Are there others? Thank you. Are there others that will join with these? Thank you. These three. Are there others that will join with these three today? Are there others? Quickly. In Jesus' name, God's changing their lives. God's about to do a great thing in their hearts like never before. All right, I'm going to ask for one more situation. Some of you have the mask of shame on, and you're ready for joy to cover you again. And you'll say, Pastor, I'm willing to lay that shame down. If that's you, can I see your hand quickly? Hands all over this place. I declare you're forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says what is bound on earth will be bound in heaven and what is loosed on earth will be loosed uh, in heaven. And I declare those of you willing to make that confession are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to pray with these that have said today is the day they want to make the, uh, the Lord their Savior and then, we're, then I'm going to pray for everybody. Would you join hands with someone near you? You don't have to cross the roads unless you want to, but just someone near you. This is the confession that we make, that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead. The Bible says if we make that positive confession that we will be born again. Our lives will be changed forever. No matter where you are, God's speaking to you right now. 
God's speaking clearly to you that this is your moment. Pray this prayer with us as these are accepting Christ. Let's pray together, church. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promises. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. You see my past, my present, and my future. I give it all to you. I cannot fix myself, but my hope is in Christ. In Jesus' name, from this moment forward, I am forgiven. In Jesus' name, I believe Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe he died for me, and now he lives forevermore. By faith, God is my Father. Heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for those lives that have just been changed. I thank you, God, that they are solidifying who they are in you. And Father, you see the turbulence going on in their lives. I thank you, God, that there's going to be a strong place to stand now in their new hope and their Father, and who is their God and King. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. Lord, for those who are being tempted with Gath, I pray, Lord, they'll break every wrong association, that you'll put roadblocks on the way to Gath. God, that you will, you will send hindrances that will even annoy them so that they might know your grace chases them. For those who are being delivered from Gath, I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing them out so they will no longer act like a chump, but they will be the champion you've called them to be, Father. And Father, for those who are wearing the mask of shame, thank you that joy is coming in the morning. In Jesus' name, I will praise the Lord at all times. Why don't you praise God with me in this place? That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.